Welcome to the Two Point Culture. I'm Stacked Oliveira, and that's Chase Schwartz. The Chase, one and only. Did you have fun this weekend watching football? <laughs> so, you want a full moment of honesty here, Zach? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Saturday night, well, Saturday during the day, I wasn't feeling too hot. So, I okay. missed the Packers game from the first quarter onwards. Uh, Luckily so, because it was probably the, probably the board game of the weekend. If you have to pick. And and then the double down was because I was in the middle of my work week. I fell yeah. asleep through the Rams 21 minutes of chiefs <laughs> bills. Oh yeah, that's true. It was I that one. the I entire was the third quarter and I caught back up in the fourth. Like what the fuck is going on? <laughs> How about you, man? Uh, How was the weekend? But no, I'll, first of all, let me actually answer that question. It was it was actually pretty good, great weekend football wise. Considering, uh, how about yourself, uh, man? I loved it. It was an awesome weekend. I'm like like you on the Saturday games. I was kind of tuning in and out for most of the um, Cincy game and also the Packer game, but I did manage to catch the end for both games, so that was fun. And then Sunday. I just sat on the couch (laughs) and just enjoyed football because both games were incredible. Let's start with the banger of all bangers here. Kansas City versus Buffalo. Kansas City uh, squeaks one out in overtime, 42 to 36. Was this the best football game you've ever seen? Well, and personally. let's take biases. Yeah, let's wait, wait. <laughs> Let me rephrase this. I knew you were going to say that because I, I could probably say the exact same thing. Exactly. <laughs> but bias aside, no dog in the race. Was this the best team? Uh, sorry, was this the best game? That is probably the greatest offensive football I've ever seen in my life. Hands down. Absolutely. Yep. This Hands one. Down. and And to do this in the playoffs was... Fan free, fantastic. <laughs> Zach, I, I said it to you basically since we had our discussion last week. You got to say it with me now. His name is Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes. <laughs> it's funny though because I I was going for the Bills in right. this game. Um, I have nothing against Casey. I actually love watching Casey play. I just thought something different. Let's switch it up a bit. We've seen Casey in the uh, playoffs the last two years in the Super Bowl, I should say. Right. Um, Buffalo's been hurting, and I think this was the biggest dagger to the heart. This It was so bad. Actually, it, I don't know if it's the biggest dagger. I mean, going to the Super Bowl four times and losing is a pretty big dagger. That's true, too. But let's say recently. Let's say in the last okay. what. 10, 15 years, that was got to be the worst loss since, of- since Tom ran the AFC, basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's get into this game, though. First things first, do you want to start with the KC side or do you want to start with the Chiefs side? I wanted to, well, listen, I, I can kind of take both because as I'm going through my notes here, the very first two lines were, so the Bills came out and put their nuts on the table on that first drive. <laughs> <laughs> and then Patrick Mahomes came out like Ray J singing, I hit it first. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he uh, let's take it to Casey. Uh, so yeah. for all the great things that Josh Allen has done, Patrick Mahomes 
once again reminded us, yeah, I do all of that too. I want to start with the run game from Casey. Okay. Um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was a huge factor for them, just in terms of pass blocking and, and picking up um, the blitz, especially when the Bills were bringing it. And then Jarek McKinnon is slowly becoming more and more of a weapon. Right. Like The guy, he's a watered-down Debo right now. Okay. I can understand that. Yeah, yeah. In a sense that you can kind of line him up as a receiver. You could have him, you know, carry the ball in the backfield. He's a Swiss Army knife. He... Yeah, for for nothing but what else, man. Like when I watched him run, that was some of the most aggressive running I've ever seen. I've seen by a running back just in that position. Like he was bulldozing people over into the side to get out of bounds and clock control. And oh my god, man, what a performance! He had seventy-eight total yards. How many carries? Game. He had ten carries for twenty-four yards, which wow. it's not bad. No. As a backup, yeah. it's not too bad. But he had five receptions for 54 yards. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> there it is. Honestly, that's a dynamic duo back there that's going to cause some problems for, well, their opponent on in the AFC. Run. On this run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in the, in the AFC Championship. And, you know, if they get by that, maybe even in the Super Bowl. Receiving-wise, I mean, Deuce is up to Tyreek Hill. That, that's some of the most disrespectful shit I've ever seen is throwing up the deuces to somebody while they're in front of you. <laughs> I don't know how to even explain it. The guy has like a seventh and eighth gear. Yeah, he just For, essentially. He's like a Bugatti. If you, if you watch on his, like, on his last touchdown um, to get them, I think that was to get them ahead before the Bills came back and scored again. Right. He actually gets held yeah. by the defender. <laughs> like as, close he's breaking, to the as he's breaking in. Yeah, close to the collar, and then just takes off, <laughs> manages to burn them. <laughs> and then kudos to Andy Reid, by the way, for putting Tyreek Hill on the kickoff, or sorry, on the punt yes. return. Yes, yes. That was one of the huge things I had to highlight in my notes where I was like, that's probably the one person you don't want to see in the special teams unit. Absolutely. Well, it's funny you say that. Like I was listening to Pat McAfee talk about being a punter and seeing like he, like he, he talks about one game where he's going to punt the ball uh, against Pittsburgh and Antonio Brown's back there. And he's like, it's a game changer. It's, like, it, it's just different because like, you know, you have to get like he's gonna return it. That's the problem. Hmm. Unless you kick it out of bounds, which he's like, it's the the chances of that happening very slim. I mean, you could try to angle it as much as possible, but you don't want to angle it too much. Screw up your kick, and then they they still have great like, field um, position. Exactly, great field position from there. So he's like, I just remember booming it down, and next thing I know, this guy's breaking my ankle going by me, scoring a <laughs> touchdown. <laughs> but in other words, like when it comes to superstars, especially at the receiver position, when they're back there and they're receiving punts, like it's a whole different ball game. Like the reason why these guys aren't there is because they're trying to avoid, sorry, they're trying to avoid 
taking unnecessary hits. Right. But man, like you can't hit this guy. He's too quick. You gotta gotta <laughs> touch me first, man. Sorry, like the, especially the on the speed uh, is so ridiculous, man. Especially on the punt return, or sorry, on the um, yeah, was it the kick? No, it was for the kick return. Yes. Uh, in over sorry, in, to start the quarter in overtime. Yes. He made three people miss. Yep. <laughs> yep. Just an, another day at the office for Tyree Kill, man. It's, it's incredible. Uh, double that on his counterpart, and uh, not Travis Kelsey so much, but McCall Hardman off of that handoff <laughs> where four Bills defenders were right in front of him by the sideline, and that one little hesitant step that he gave and then just cut inside and – it was a foot race to the goal line. No problem for him. Like the, this, for all the things that we had said about this Chiefs team, for all the problems that they had beginning early in the season, mm-hmm. they sure are coming together nicely at the right time. Yeah, I totally agree with you on this one. It's a different team than we saw at the beginning of the season. And sorry, I just want to highlight something about that with the stats because remember, it's not that long ago we were saying, oh, Patrick Mahomes was solved by cover two defense. Mm-hmm. Um, but over the last seven games, Mahomes has thrown for 190 of 263 yards, uh, 263 pass attempts, pardon me. So 72% completion. He's averaging 320 yards a game and 20 TDs, two interceptions, and he's six and one. That's ridiculous. He's on a different level right now. Travis Kelsey, though. That's a different breed, too. I messaged you on that final drive, and I said it. I'm like, they have no answer for Kelsey right now. No. You, you, you hit the nail on the head, especially that, t- that touchdown itself. That was... I'm it's sorry. a dime. By the way, it's a dime from Mahomes, but... It's a freestyle from Kelsey, too. <laughs> yeah, that's the freestyle route, and to have the awareness to not only make the catch, but to stay in bounds. That's you can't, you can't teach that. That's that's that, awareness. That that's that's, that's football. That's football. Exactly. That's football IQ to a T. Yeah. Mahomes was fantastic in this game though. Like, like you said, I mean, he went 33 for 44, 378 yards and three touchdowns. Slow day. <laughs> Slow day. <laughs> On the, <laughs> On the defensive side of the ball, I mean, not great. <laughs> well, listen, I, I'm not going to – I Sorensen being in there more than probably originally planned because Tyron Matthew left very early in the game. Yeah. Um, not for nothing. That Chiefs front four is still scary. It's still Frank Clark, Melvin Ingram, and Chris Jones. Yeah. <laughs> like – and their rookie, uh, I'm, his name is slipping my mind, but they're, they are putting pressure. And yeah, I agree with you. They're, that front four right now is clicking. It's firing on all cylinders, but I still like to see them get a little bit more pressure mm-hmm. on the opposing team's quarterbacks. I will give Buffalo credit. They protected Josh Allen very well. Very well. And man, I feel so bad for this guy. He did everything he could to win this game. We, we've we already seen the memes of this. Yeah, well, first of all, to agree with you, like he threw everything and the kitchen sink at them and they were just like, tuh, but 
Um, 27 carries, sorry, 27 completions, 37 attempts, 329 yards and four touchdowns. Oh, and 11 carries for 68 yards. Yeah, I believe it's the first time in a postseason game where each quarterback has thrown uh, that high of a completion percentage, rushed for over 50 yards, and both had no turnovers. Yeah. While we're on the Bills, though, Gabriel Davis. (laughs) I was just about to go there. He's the first player in NFL history to score four touchdowns in a playoff game. Yeah. It's insane. Think about that. Jerry Rice didn't do it. Michael Irvin didn't do it. it. Terrell Owens didn't do it. That's elite level. No. Any at Tom. Any at Tom. The biggest thing. These, these numbers are absurd. <laughs> Eight receptions, 201 yards, and four touchdowns. Kudos to him. He came up big. Now, this is kind of where I have a little bone to pick with somebody. Mm-hmm. While Mahomes and his offensive weapons came to play. Oh, I, I know where you're going. Stephon Diggs, you stood there last year and watched the Kansas City Chiefs celebrate. You said that you're going to remember this and you're going to use this to fuel you. You have your redemption game and you go three for seven. The hell happened there? Ladarius Sneed was shutting down that outside corner. I'm not even going to lie. But if you were looking, because they left, I think the game plan was to leave Diggs out there as a distraction and let like Gabriel Davis and Cole Beasley do all the, the other work. Cause, and that's not to knock Dawson Knox either. Well, Um, I was going to get there. He was my next target. I know. I I know. Um, But even watching Gabriel Davis's touchdowns, like, the second one in the back of the end zone in the very early in the game. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed the route by Cole Beasley. Yeah. Where he did the under and then he cut back inside. And he just took all the coverage and left them wide open. So I think the game plan was orchestrated for that. Or that's mm-hmm. just how it happened to work out where it's like, well, Gabriel Davis is wide open. Why not just bomb it to him then? Yeah. I mean, you could be right, but I just found that. I mean, Dawson Knox, two receptions for nine yards, and then Emmanuel Sanders, one reception for 16. Mm-hmm. Like, I, personally, that can decide the game here. I know they had a lot of production from Gabriel Davis and from Cole Beasley, but your other weapons have to step up and make plays too. And I know it was an exciting, what, three minutes <laughs> In the fourth quarter. Yep. <laughs> but in quarters one, two, and three, those guys just didn't show up. And in a sense, it you could kind of make an argument that kind of cost Buffalo. Well, we have production there. We have the defense. I mean, both defenses didn't look stellar. Right? Both had 30-plus points hung on them. No. So I also give – like I gave Buffalo's offensive line credit, I will give Kansas City's offensive line credit too. I mean, they've been a lot better as a unit in the past couple of weeks. Chris, uh, not Chris Long. Sorry, what's the other Long? Kyle. Kyle Long wasn't even playing. No, 
Well, he's tweeting. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I, I think I, I think he might have been with Chris and Howie at the game. <laughs> no, I saw him tweeting, and I was like, hmm. <laughs> busy day at the office for him too. Eh? <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> Um, I also want to highlight, not to backtrack too far, but if uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire would have caught that shovel pass, the one mm-hmm. right before uh, Pringles touchdown, that yeah. would have just been a layup walk-in for him. So to know that those, like, because obviously we always see the shovel pass to Kelsey or uh, the other tight end, but it just, they can kill you in so many ways. It's not even funny. So what is your news headline? that you would say that summarizes this game or what would you, what was your biggest takeaway from this game? Uh, just like I threw up on our story, uh, deuces. <laughs> <laughs> Tyree oh. Hill sign. That's, that was the, um, photo of the night for me. <laughs> Mine was 13 seconds is enough. <laughs> <laughs> that one kind of set itself up too. Right? <laughs> oh, how, Okay. How angry do you think it, uh, Dallas Cowboy fans are watching Pat Mahomes with 13 seconds get the ball down the field to at least kick a field goal? They're going to be furious until the Cowboys get rid of Mike McCarthy. That's that's my call. Because <laughs> that was my thought while that was going on. It wasn't the fact that – because I had a feeling KC was going to kick it and send this game to overtime. Mm-hmm. But – well, while they were driving down there, I was like, man, Dak must be kicking himself right now. <laughs> like watching this going, oh, so this is how you manage a clock. Oh, by the way, speaking of that, um, because I know he's been killed for it in the past before, I want to salute Andy Reid for his clock management. Fantastic. And he, his way of making sure that they literally went down to less than a minute with all three timeouts. Yeah, he's definitely learned from his mistakes. And that's good, though. I mean, he's still evolving as a coach, which is very scary, to be honest. Yeah. If this isn't even the surface of Andy Reid, like, God knows how far we're going to go. So what does Buffalo, where does Buffalo go from here? I think you need to get some, well, I mean, Gabriel Davis is great, but you need more of a supporting cast, if that's possible. I think you're fine on offense. I think you just need to continue building through the defense. Fair. And I know they have the number number one ranked defense, but you can always get better. For sure. Absolutely. More edge rushers for them, always. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just depth. Depth. That's it. Because because now I have to ask, too, like, what does that game really look like if Tredavious White plays? It's a big difference, right? Like, this, that that's somebody who you could – I don't want to – well, he could slow down. Tyreek, right? Yes, or he can slow down Tyreek. He could probably shadow Travis a little bit, and maybe just maybe he could actually take out McCole Hardman, and then which... well, even if he do- and even if he doesn't take them out per se, but he can at least kind of match them stride for stride, where then you could then focus your other elements somewhere else. I don't know. He's yeah, it changes your whole defense. Maybe they look for another corner to pair with him. That could be it in the too. Off season. That could be it too. Yeah, that's that's it right. for the Bills, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, let's let's move off on this game. Next game. 
Bengals Titans. Well, this game started off with a bad omen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, first drive, okay. first possession, pick. <laughs> I need to break down the Ryan Tannehill interceptions. Oh boy! So the first interception, if you watch, um, that's actually the first. Like you said, it's the first possession of the game. He actually stares Julio down. And never comes off his read. He just he hikes the ball and is completely just looking right at him, watching him cut. Good move, by the way, on Jesse Bates to read that, jump the route, catch the interception. That's the first one. On the second interception, I'm actually I know a lot of people are kind of jumping on him for throwing that ball so quick, but I'm actually going to kind of give him a pass on this one. I think this was just a great read by Mike Hilton yeah. to jump in front of the screen pass. I don't really think like what, like what do you want him to do in that case? Get the ball out quicker. Like he got it out. If you watch, he actually gets it out pretty quick. And so you can't throw it any higher. Cause if it's a high arc like that, you take way too much time for that defense to figure everything out. So if you want to question something, maybe question the play call in that position. Mm-hmm. But even at that, you're, you're in scoring distance. So I, if any time, if there's any play, sorry, if there's any time to call that play, it's now. Right. So I, I'm okay with that one. The last one, though, he had no business throwing that ball. There were three Bengals receivers all around him, and he chose to go. He chose to go high, not low. So he didn't even let his receiver have okay. a chance at making no. that catch. And again, another great play by Mike Hilton. Yeah. And then <laughs> and right to Logan Wilson for yep. that interception. I mean, more to add from the Titans. Lack of production from Derrick Henry. Yeah. Uh, we talked about this too, right? I said, are they trotting him on there? Not for production, but more as a smoke screen. It kind of felt that way. But I also kind of felt it hindered their offense. Like mm-hmm. he hasn't more- played in. He hasn't you know played him. Sorry, go for it. You know what it is? Um, so he did exactly what Baker Mayfield did when Odell was on the Browns still. And that was, I have to justify throwing you the ball based on your contract. Yeah, I agree. It, it felt like they were forcing him. But I felt watching this game that the Titans offense was way too predictable. Mm-hmm. Like As soon as he lined up, you knew when he, Henry was getting the ball. And I only found that their offense started to click when Foreman started to get more involved. Right. Which begs the question, you've been winning with Foreman. Why wouldn't you mix and match the two running backs and try to get them both involved, not settle really for one. And then as you see during the game, it's not going, then pivot off to them. Well, I I agree with that, but I also look at the other side of the coin of this. I mean, we have the running back that even though he's missed nine weeks of football, Mm-hmm. he was still number eight rushing. Yeah, I, I agree with you, but I you think it's a You kind of have to gamble on that, I think. You do, but it's also, I don't know, maybe it's just me watching other running backs come back from an injury like that sure. or, or close to an injury like that. You can always see that within the first couple of weeks, there's like just lack of explosiveness. 
Mm-hmm. And I felt like that was lacking from Henry. And I mean, it just proves that Jonathan Taylor is a better running back. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't wait for that dig, could you? <laughs> Had it in my back pocket. <laughs> I mean, the receivers for the Titans showed up for the most part aj brown had 142 yards on five catches what for one touchdown a touchdown too by him yeah yeah beast mode um julio jones six receptions for 62 yards so let's yeah. stop with that slander that that guy doesn't show up in the playoffs right titans defense did what they had to do as far as i'm concerned as well they sacked joe burrow nine times yeah yeah so what I'm coming down to is one problem in this game and why the Titans didn't win. And my headline is Ryan can't get over the hill. That's a great one. I like that. Ryan Tannehill just proved that you can't win with him as a quarterback in the NFL. He turned back into the Ryan Tannehill of Miami. Yes. With Adam Gase. And do you want to know what the big problem about Ryan Tannehill is and the big situation that the Titans are going to be in going into this offseason? Tell us, Zach. Tannehill's dead cap space is $57.4 million. Wow. You can't listen. You can't move (laughs) off that contract. I mean, (laughs) listen, we moved off $100 million. (laughs) Right. But. The, the situation was the drop, right? Yes. There's not a <laughs> there's not a substantial drop in that from from next year to the year after. I think the year after, if I'm not mistaken, might be in the 30s. Still heavy. Still a heavy hit. Yeah, exactly. So, with that being said, and I, I want to highlight this. Watching the quarterback that he faced in Burrow, mm-hmm. watching the quarterbacks in the KC and Bills game, Mahomes and Allen, mm-hmm. let's couple the fact that Lamar Jackson is still in the AFC and Justin Herbert's still in the AFC. The rest of the AFC is screwed. Like That's just it right here those five quarterbacks are going to dominate for a very long time. And this isn't to get too far off subject though, but I I drew this parallel really quickly in my mind. And I was like, huh, it's funny how history repeats itself. Right. So, you know, we talked a lot about the Brady Manning versus growing up. Right. And now we get, we get Allen and Mahomes. Mm-hmm. And just like Philip Rivers, Josh Allen, um, Justin that Herbert, was... Justin Herbert is, <laughs> yeah, that's my call. So yeah. I think Philip, I, which sucks because that means I don't think Justin Herbert's going to win. No, and then you have Ben Roethlisberger, which looks like it's going to be Joe Burrow. Yeah, essentially king of the. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there it is. Yeah, <laughs> like how everything's full circle. <laughs> Except for Lamar. Lamar is just kind of that wild card that just comes and goes, right? Mike Vick. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It was too easy of a layup of a comparison. I'm sorry. Yeah, just a little bit. Um, But, yeah, I I mean, I was watching these games and I kind of take myself aback and I'm like, Jesus, the Colts need a quarterback. Like That's what I thought there. It's hard to observe that and be like, yo, (laughs) 
And like, that's, it... that's why I, te- I texted you after. And it was like that. It was like the tweet that I sent to you, man. Like people are like, Josh Allen is everything that we hope Carson Wentz would be. It's yeah. just not there though right now. No. And I mean, not for nothing too, but I'm looking at, as we go into this, the AFC two teams and the NFC two teams and who their quarterbacks are. And I'm looking at the size of these quarterbacks and like, you know, the, I I won't say Russ because Russ has already proved it, but you know, the Kyler Murray's of the world, Mm -hmm. the Baker Mayfield's of the world, unless you have something that could establish yourself and get you and put you into that next level into the, as I would say, the rust level. Right. I don't know if short quarterbacks are going to be looked at. And it's it sucks to say, because when I say short quarterbacks, I mean, I'm not talking about like under five feet here. I'm talking about six, two. Six foot. Yeah. I know. I would even say, I would even go. Yeah. Six, two. Like, like I think like Burrow's six, three. Yeah. Garoppolo's big. Like. Stafford's, I think it's in the is six three, six, six, three four. six four, I think. Yeah, like Mahomes six four. Like these guys are. I don't know. It's when you're when you're going to be scouting, and like I see like Bryce Young from Alabama, and he's six one barely. Like yikes! Luxing over your old line of like six six man, I'm, and I'm not taking anything away from him or again Baker right. or any of those guys, but. Yeesh, man, like you need size now to play quarterback. Yep. So just a little takeaway. Sorry to get off track there. Oh, that's but... fine, man. No, we love this. <laughs> yeah. Anything else you want to highlight from the Titans who took the L to the Bengals in 19 to 16? No, just that I'm really happy I switched my pick on text message with you last minute. <laughs> I took the Titans because I thought that the Titans were going to play possession football and Kind of turns out it was the opposite. Uh, switching sides to the Bengals. I mean, what can you say about Joe Burrow? Well, let me let me start here with my headline. Swiss cheese, a tale of the Cincinnati Bengals O-line. I have never seen a quarterback get sacked nine times and pull out a W like that. Just going to throw that, that off there, off rip. Um, to get under that kind of pressure... And to never be too low. Like, there are third and 14s, third and 20s that was just created by that Titans D-line. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> you know, this is one of the sad parts because we talked about the draft, how maybe they should get an anchor down in that offensive line and not have these issues. I mean, with good reason. And now we could probably speculate that Jamar Chase might have actually been the perfect pit, uh, fit. Yeah. But... Yeah, Joe Burrow is still coming off that ACL injury. I know it's a great playoff run for the Bengals, but you want to be healthy still or as healthy as you can be at the end of the season. So no more off-season surgeries and coming back into next year, hopefully to reclaim the North again. This performance, though, by Burrow kind of reminded me of Eli Manning against the Niners. Ooh, the callback. Just the way he just kept getting up. It felt like every time he got hit, he was unbothered by it. It was just like, yeah, okay, I got sacked. Like, next, next play. 
like he, he didn't look frustrated. He didn't seem like he was yelling at his O line. Like he was just like, all right, you know, like they got it to us this time. We'll get them next time. Like I wonder if Joe's just like, well, this is what our O line is. <laughs> maybe. He still had a pretty good day at the office without throwing a touchdown, though. I mean, he went 28 for 37, 348 yards and one interception. And you can make the argument that he had the biggest throw was the out route to Jamar Chase with 20 seconds left in the game. That play, I've seen him. I've seen them both run that multiple times. I had a feeling it was coming, but the execution of it, it still blows my mind how perfect he can place that ball and get away with it and no defense can stop it it's just the timing is just there sorry i'm just pulling up t higgins's stats because that's who oh, i got it here oh perfect it, yeah and let's talk about the Bengals playmakers i mean chase had five receptions for 109 yards higgins had seven receptions for 96 yards and yuzma had seven for 71 <clears throat> Yeah, no, the Bengals playmakers, like I told you before, I was like, there was something about the, like, I understand Caleb Farley's in the secondary for the Titans, mm-hmm. but like, that's one shiny spot. But yeah, no, the Bengals playmakers came to play. They did not, they set the tone early. Uh, mm-hmm. T Higgins made his resurgence after kind of being very quiet versus the Raiders. Which I said that that was, he was going to be the breakout in this game. Fair enough. But yeah, no, they just, they bullied and picked them apart. Joe Mixon had a great day at the office, like you said. And literally the Bengals, despite all their um, slip-ups on that offensive line, they persevered. Yeah, Mixon won 105 yards total on one touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. He might be a difference maker if they want to advance to the Super Bowl. Uh, but let's talk about the big leg himself, Evan McPherson, McPherson. who apparently before making this kick was, was there stretching it out like, well, I guess we're going to the, uh, AFC (laughs) championship before making one of the biggest kicks of his life. (laughs) Big leg Mick. (laughs) Oh, shout out to that guy. Uh, great confidence by him. Just great playing all around by all the units. Like I said, except with the exception of the offensive line, you could probably make the argument that that was the shittiest part, but yeah, no, the, the Bengals showed up to play and with good reason. And now they get their rematch with the Kansas city chiefs, which we'll dive into a bit later. Yeah. All right. Let's move it along here. Niners and Packers. (laughs) I think this was the most surprising game of the weekend. Yeah, I had thought that the Packers were going to win. I knew it was going to be a tough one. Unfortunately, though, it was a Robbie Gould. Icer. Icer, seriously. Um, in the snow to send the 49ers to the NFC Championship. Niners win 13 to 10. What the hell happened to the Packers here? They came out swinging and on fire. The offense looked great, and then they fell flat. Absolutely stagnant. The whole game changed when Mercedes Lewis fumbles. Yes. That was the shifting of the tides. And on the other side of the ball for the Packers defense, like they played 
fairly decent. I mean, they held the offense to no scores. The three points on the special, that's it. Mm-hmm. And once again, we continue to see that the Achilles, Achilles heel of the Packers is special teams. How do you have 10 guys <laughs> on the field goal <laughs> unit? I mean, <laughs> I mean, what, what was going right from them? There was the, the block punt. Yep. There was a blocked field goal. Tell him. And, and then you're just like, you know what? Fuck it. One, one less guy. <laughs> we don't need 11 and, out there. And not only was it a block punt, but it was a block punt for a touchdown score. too. For a score. Which is even worse. <laughs> I guess special teams would be the biggest takeaway from this game, especially on the um, Packers side. They really just did not come to play. And it's it's funny because that had been the Achilles heel all season and people have talked about this and yet they managed to find a way to always get around it and once again in the biggest moment it didn't work out quick reminder for that about that Packers defense throughout the first quarter they held the Niners to negative eight yards which is insane right if I told you that (laughs) You like, would have said that the Packers win. Yeah, of course. Just off the strength of the first quarter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's not like the Niners were doing anything special either. No. They knew was... what the game plan was. Run the ball. Right? <laughs> exactly. Oh, we've been in Green Bay before. Um, also, Kyle Shanahan now being 4-0 against Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur is... Well, that's kind of where... Postseason. That's kind of where I wanted to go. Aaron Rodgers. Was that Aaron Rodgers' worst game as a Packer? Ooh, worst game? No. We can even look back to this season and go to how the season started in Jacksonville. Um, Against the Saints, but in Jacksonville. But this was, I don't know if it's so much on Aaron, because I don't, as I watched, rewatched the film today, um, there was a lot of, drop passes by those receivers, Mm -hmm. you know, just from the help standpoint, once again, we're talking about Aaron Rodgers who said, Hey, you guys should consult with me before the draft and um, in free agency. So we can get the right tools in here. And they were like, no. And now you're kind of paying the the piper. I agree with you. I'm, I would, yeah, I'm going to double down on that. I will say that he does take some blame in this. Because all he did was kept throwing to his check down or looking for Devontae Adams. Like it was only Adams or Jones. Yep. That was it. Once in a while, like you highlighted, Mercedes Lewis fumbles. So that's out. Even at that, like Lazard had one catch, Mercedes Lewis had one catch, Cobb had zero. Yep. Where's MVS? Not even on, didn't even get a throw to. There it is. I don't know if that's just execution on the pass game or if it had to do with the cold. Like there's the other thing too, that people aren't talking about. You have the best, one of the best passing quarterbacks in the NFL. And sometimes it's great to finish first, but when you have to play in the cold, (laughs) every, (laughs) every game, that's a home game. And your biggest weapon, yeah, and your biggest weapon is the guy who could throw the ball. You can't throw the ball. No. 
it's insane. <laughs> um, and then you couple that with the fact that uh, Nick Bosa was just getting pressure from everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. The guy's a monster. Warner too came up to pl- came yep. up to play too. But sticking with sticking with the Packers though, I just thought the execution was just not there. I felt like they they were trying to force plays and the timing, the rhythm, it just felt off. You know what? And this is a really fucked up way to paint this too, is like it looked like the Niners. Yeah. It did because Jimmy G wasn't anything to write home about, but we're going to get to that after, but like mm-hmm. it really looked like San Francisco 49ers. And like you said, I mean, maybe this is the lack of playmakers, the lack of trust that Aaron has in his receivers that the only two guys he, which is kind of true. I mean, when Jones wanted to leave, he went to bat for him to try mm-hmm. to keep him to, to get him to stay with green Bay. And then obviously Devonte, that's, that's his guy, right? Yeah. I also felt like maybe Rogers was kind of saying, fuck you to the organization. <laughs> this thing goes as far as I do. <laughs> but that's not a bad theory yeah, either. I don't know. That, that's a hell of a way to stick it to an organization though. No, I don't think he actually purposely lost the game for that. Cause let's be honest, at the end of the day, I mean, you want to win. These guys are competitive. Like they're competitors. They, they want to win this game, but Rodgers and Favre, that's 30 years of Hall of Fame quarterback play and only two championships. That's horrendous. You, you realize that like Aaron Rodgers hasn't been back to the AFC, uh, NFC championship since 2010. It's embarrassing. It's 12 years. Like, what are we doing? Like, what are the Packers doing? And I want to say that because we have a guest coming on uh, in a couple of weeks and we're going to dive into the Packers and the issues and the things that, you know, should happen going forward. But no, this has to be the result of the mounted frustration that Aaron Rodgers has been feeling for not just this year, for many years, primarily if we want to highlight a point from when they drafted Jordan Love. Yeah. And let's take this a little bit further. Like his post game comments weren't so straightforward in terms of <laughs> what his mesh yeah what what's his message right like what they, is he, they, trying to- he wasn't he wasn't reassuring in his return <laughs> especially with the words you know this entire thing can look different going forward here in green bay and he basically said i don't want to be a part of a rebuild yeah actually he did say that blatantly so catch or fade does rogers retire that i'm going to say fade i'm gonna say fade. it's over yet for aaron Rodgers. yeah i'm gonna say fade too because i still think he wants to play football having said that i watched the pat mcafee interview with him today and he did seem like a guy who has thought about life after football. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't sound like a guy who's, you know, completely in the realm of like, yeah, I'm coming back. I can still play at the highest level. There was a lot of who knows and maybes, and I'll see how I feel. Well, maybe I mean, it's not this year, but we we maybe got a couple, it's coming. We got a couple of, with the fact that 
you know, for the last two years of us dealing with COVID and I hate the fact that we have to have these mm. conversations constantly about vaccinated and unvaccinated, but you know, I'm mm. sure Aaron Rodgers could just might want to be like, you know what? I'm not dealing with this. Yeah. I'm not going to deal with your criticism. I'm too good of a football player to be judged on my personal decisions with my choice in my body. Even though I mm-hmm. didn't have to share the fact that I'm definitely allergic to some of the mixing chemicals, but I digress. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm sure those influences go in hand in hand. Yeah, for sure. I a hundred percent agree with you. I think he's probably tired of answering the same questions over and over again. Does he get himself into trouble sometimes? Maybe I'm sure there's, and I'm sure he'd be the first one to say it too. He's like, maybe I shouldn't have said certain, certain things, but at the same time too, it's like, get on him for, you know, sticking to his guns and saying what he feels is right. Who am I to judge him on that? Right. Yeah. Somebody said that the Niners took Alex Smith over Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers still helped them get to the NFC championship four times. (laughs) Oh, that is true though too. Like that's the other thing. Like that's the elephant in the room here is just like, you know, when's Aaron Rodgers, if he does come back and play next year and, and he does join another team, well, you know, will he be able to elevate that team, right? Or will it be the same outcome? At, at the end of the day, there's not too many quarterbacks that win a Super Bowl and then ride off into the sunset. Like, it unfortunately doesn't happen. So there is a reality that he does continue playing and it goes, he goes somewhere and he's back in the same spot that he is. But maybe he needs a new challenge. I've said it all season and preseason if Aaron Rodgers is to leave my money's on the Denver Broncos. Well, especially, especially because Nathaniel Hackett has his second interview there. Yeah. Which I do agree with you on that. Having said that, do you really want to be the third best quarterback <laughs> in that division? I, I don't think he's the third. See, that's, that's, the, that's the difference. I don't think he's the third. I don't know. Like, I think he's the second. No, I'm, I'm just joking. He's definitely the second. No, he's definitely the second. I'm just joking. I, I'm not ready. I'm not no. ready to put Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert hasn't exactly. been in the playoffs. Jeez. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm just joking. But like, no. But that's just what I'm trying to say, though. Is like that's a tough, um, tough division to play in, right? It, it those is. are going to be dog fight games. It is, but I think that with everything outside of the quarterback position, that's probably the team best equipped to handle that division. Mm-hmm. And they really just need the right person at the help. I just don't think that throwing the ball outdoors is going to help him anymore. I think he should look to maybe going indoors. And I know a team that needs a quarterback that plays in a in a dome in a dome oh zach do tell us <laughs> do, do share I, I mean i i just know i know one place that <laughs> i i think he would look great playing and i think if i'm not mistaken he had a nice shade of blue on today for pat mcafee's show I, I stand by my comments to you earlier where I said that 
in in Colts blue, he looks like a punter. I also think about think that when he's in the Steelers uniform too. <laughs> I think Aaron and Indy is the way to go. And at the end of the day, I don't know if he's actually going to Indy or not. Probably not. If if, uh, if I was a betting man, I think I'd probably cite with you on this one and say that he's going to Denver. Um, truthfully. However, I do think that Indy does present an interesting opportunity for him because you have defense, you have some of the pieces on offense. The one thing that you could say that Indy doesn't have is more playmakers at the wide receiver position. However, if Aaron Rodgers comes to your team, there's a Michael good Pittman chance that he can hold different. <laughs> yes. And not only that, I think some free agents now might take a little bit of a pay cut to come and join him. So that could transform your whole team. And, not for nothing, but that division's a lot more winnable. Yeah, absolutely. Versus, I mean, I mean it's all the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially being in that uh, Denver division, that's a little bit more of a challenge. But who knows? Maybe he does want a challenge. I don't know. We'll see what happens. He has come out and kind of said that he expects to make a decision by mid February. So I think we'll be hunting this story down for the next couple of weeks, Chase. <laughs> Post-Super Bowl. <laughs> exactly. All right, let's get off Aaron Rodgers talk. It's not the Aaron Rodgers podcast. It's the 49ers beating the Green Bay Packers. That's what we need to talk about. Jimmy G, I know we like to harp on the guy, but he made some big throws. He, Yeah, he made some big throws. He also made some bad ones like that open miss on George Kittle <laughs> very early in the game. <laughs> But uh, true. But on the last drive, he found Kittle and he found Debo at the right time. He's not. He's okay. Let's be honest. He's going to be the worst quarterback out of the four. Right. However, he's not. He's not bad enough that you could, you know what I mean? Like, sure. You still win with him. <laughs> You're not going to start Trey Lance right now because I don't think no. Trey Lance is in a position to thrive in this environment right now. Especially with where the season is, and I'm not mistaken, but does Jimmy G only have one loss in the playoffs, and that's to Pat Mahomes in the Super Bowl? He does, <laughs> which which doesn't make any sense in my mind. But there's two things I want to highlight here, and so one, I to backtrack a little bit, I I dug back a couple of years because I was like, how many football teams in the past nine years have beaten the Dallas Cowboys and gone on to win the Super Bowl? Okay. There's not a one. Not a wild card, nothing. <laughs> what? Really? Yeah. I, I went through it. I was like, this <laughs> is an incredible stat. Because even the year that the Niners Chiefs happened, the Seahawks beat the Cowboys. Oh, my God. So there's not a one there. And number two, Jimmy G is also in the most interesting position of all the quarterbacks left. Because how do you get off of them if they win the Super Bowl? I was actually about to bring this up to you. <laughs> what if they win the Super Bowl with Jimmy G as a quarterback? You, you like, can't get rid of him then because how do you justify that? Well, actually, well, you know what? You can. You okay. can. Because your justification is he did what he did what we needed him to do. Next year, we're going to a younger quarterback. We're going to run it back. We're going to use Jimmy G as a trade chip. Get as many, get more assets to build up that roster, um, 
create an infrastructure around our young quarterback okay. that then pushes us the following to season into exactly. But I mean, even at that, even if they don't win, I mean, Jimmy Jimmy G's status like on the trade market, his stock must have gone through the roof. Well, now, yeah. I mean, the That's only I mean. downside, the only downside to Jimmy G is almost like his health. Like theoretically, okay. What did Nick Foles get? Oh, uh, actually, no. But Nick Foles is a free agent. He didn't get traded. That's oh, true. That's true. He, he um, got released. He got a nice bonus from Philly, and then he was gone. And I'm just trying even, to. It wasn't even the year after the Super Bowl. It was the year after that. No, I'm just trying to justify what would be the price for Jimmy G right now. Uh, a third, <laughs> unfortunately, a second. A third. I don't. Th- I don't think so. See, I think he might get a lower. second. No, I think he's going to get a second because it's a. It's actually a, his contract. Actually, not- you could use leverage this year, especially with how the quarterback market looks. Absolutely, and the fact is too that, like, let's be honest, there are probably what ten quarterbacks that are worse than him right now. Worse than, uh, we'd have to name him, but we're not going to do that right now. No, no, no. But okay, okay, okay. Wait, this? wait, wait, wait. Worse than, worse than him. Yeah. Okay. Worse than him. I can. Agree. Yeah. Well, or let's okay. Let's make it even. A little bit. Let's go eight to ten, right? Okay. That sound better? Yeah. Okay. And to your point, what do you have in free agency? Well, there's nothing. There's nothing. Like the market's not huge. The only quarterbacks that we're talking about being moved are Aaron Rodgers. Um, yeah. And Aaron Rodgers is not going to play for the Niners, though no. that would be a dramatic twist of things. Uh, Russell Wilson and. Still, with everything around it, and not seeing him on a football field for a full year, Deshaun. Deshaun, right? Okay, but you know that Deshaun, Aaron, and Russ are going to cost you an arm and a leg. Yes. Getting Jimmy G for like, like we said, probably what a second or a third round pick. Like that's that's great value right there. A, a, (laughs) A quarterback that has Super Bowl experience. Yeah, and like personally, like I think he'd look great in pittsburgh like imagine taking that pittsburgh team and putting him there not for nothing but big ben couldn't even throw four yards down the field this guy can actually throw the ball i mean he's due for one or two bad interceptions per game but he's also pretty good at controlling the game too right like having not nodge there that'll help him i think that could be a good fit well i think the scary thing though with jimmy g is like it's almost guaranteed he can most likely throw the ball away. Yeah. And we saw that too. Mm-hmm. And we saw that quite a bit this season. So how bad is the bad? How low is the floor with Jimmy G going to be a year older and right now dealing with thumb and shoulder injuries? That's true too. I mean, that wear and tear on his body is going to gonna be breaking down. Um, let's get off of Jimmy G though for a little bit. I mean, Eli Mitchell, 17 carries, 53 yards, which is not bad. I, I know he got wrapped up in the backfield quite a bit, but it's still he still did what he had to do. But Kittle Samuel continue to do Kittle and Samuel things. It's incredible. Like I mean, I know we just talked up Jimmy G a little bit, but you also wonder like if they had. 
an Aaron Rodgers or one of those types. What does of Debo Samuel look like with Aaron Rodgers? Like that's... <laughs> unfair, a cheat code. Patrick Mahomes again. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah. <laughs> oh. But uh, I, I mean, I guess we have to say the the positives. I think for the Niners, were definitely uh, their defense and their special teams. They came to play, and I don't think we should touch more upon that. There's no need. I mean, we're still right where I mean the Niners special teams unit came to play, even from that block punt by uh, Jordan Willis that mm-hmm. ended up in the score. Like Kyle Shanahan did. Play in the playoffs. Now, this is where it gets scary, especially as we go into the next round. And I'm not going to jump too far ahead with that, though. But we'll get into the Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan uh, matchup record as well. Catch these Shanahan's. Yeah, can't catch these Shanahan's. Legendary football team. Legendary fantasy football team. <laughs> All right, let's move <laughs> off. Let's go to the uh, let's go to the Rams Bucks. Actually, but that wasn't my headline. Oh, what was your headline? My headline was Rogers over and out. Because I think it's over. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Uh, I, yeah. <laughs> Short and sweet. <laughs> All right. Uh, mine was, uh, I, Jesus, I don't even know what mine was. Like, th- Special teams fails, like I don't know. It's just it's gonna be special teams. That's what we're gonna go with. Not so special, huh? Uh, all right, Rams Bucks. Whoo! I, I Rams wanna... almost pulled the Falcons here. <laughs> oh. You know how Rams bad are... I wanted to text that to Jeff, and I was like, I held it. <laughs> Uh, Rams pull it off 30 to 27 on a late field goal by Gary. <laughs> um, uh, let, let me just start with the headline. <laughs> yeah, do it. How the hell do you leave Cooper Cup open? <laughs> so, <laughs> I was actually, times. I was listening to Keyshawn talk about this, okay, and he's like. I was he, well, well in, from his point of view, he was saying he's watching the game, and when he sees that ball in the air, he's like, I had a split second of panic because he's like, Do you know how many times he's seen that play where the receiver loses the ball in the lights yeah. and drops it? Yeah, we got so we had a huge example of that a couple of weeks ago in the Dallas game with the star, but yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so he's like, When when Cup caught the ball he's like holy shit like that's that's a tough catch to make like Mm -hmm. i know it's one-on-one coverage but what a great throw by stafford who by the way shows everyone why you go out and you spend that draft capital to get a quarterback to push you to the super bowl like i think this is the best example right like this is why teams who are at that step where they just need a quarterback they should give up the assets and go get one because Matthew Stafford's calm, cool demeanor won them the game. Very true. The only thing that, well, there's two things. To, so let me backtrack a little bit to the Cooper cup there. Um, obviously there was blown coverage. There was safety was supposed to roll over to help and didn't. That's why that resulted the way it did. He went to the inside man and somebody out. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it seems to me that the only detriment to Matt Stafford is a lead. Cause yeah. Matt Stafford makes his most mistakes when he's at his most confident. But is that Stafford or was that just a play calling on offense? Because well, the like they were just running the ball too much. Like I, I just found they were overkilling the run and they're going to have to watch it in the next round because Akers has a fumble problem. Well, yes, there's that. So I wanted to put that fumbling turnover problem onto the whole offense because, you know, even Cooper Cup yep. went up. But That's not, true too, yeah. not for nothing. How, where was I going to go? Oh, so Stafford. Yeah, so Stafford makes most of his mistakes when he is up in the lead. But to correlate it to what you were saying about the run, I mean – I understand the plan because probably the last thing anybody wants to do is dance that dance with Tom Brady while he gets to have the last possession. So you want to bring that clock as far down as you can before. Yes. So I understand the game plan, but yeah, clearly Cam Akers has to work on that and should be probably carrying a ball around practice with people trying to punch it out. Yeah. Honestly, he's got to work on that, especially considering I think he has the prototypical body um, to be a lead back in the NFL. Like he has the vision to dominate. And the only thing that's kind of hurting him right now is he is starting to develop that reputation of being a guy who fumbles. Having said that next week is a different game. There's a good chip. Like who knows? I mean, he could go out there and have 170 yards run around on the, the Niners defense and, no turnovers and people forget about it, right? Right. What have you done for uh, me lately? Exactly. Um, but back to Stafford, though. He clocked that ball quicker than Dak did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No, he, he, they, he made sure that, that that mistake didn't happen. He ran down the field looking well, at the lines and like, come, like, let's go. We need to go now. Like, Well, I saw the clip of you remember the last time that Detroit was in the playoffs mm-hmm. with Stafford when they were playing the Cowboys? It was the exact same situation. And yes, Stafford, that's true. With the exact same attitude, exact same energy, get down to the line. Let's go, let's go, let's go. So, yeah, he's very, very uh, aware of what's going on in the time and how to manage the time clock management, especially in a deep shot like that to Cooper Cup. Yeah, I agree. Um, that's why my headline is Maddie got it done. I'm I'm just happy for the guy. Honestly, I was sick and tired of the, some of the slander. And like, even, I mean, even on this podcast too, I started to criticize him, unfortunately, the last couple of weeks. Well, sorry, a couple of weeks back, just because the turnovers were starting to, to mount up. Mount but up. but he, he's was, been good. It was due. It, it, it was, we, de- we haven't killed him for anything that he hasn't done. No. And it's only when the ball is in his hands and the shots are his, like, I'm not going to kill Stafford for that bad snap. That's not on him. Not at all. So, I mean, yeah. So we we have Stafford. I mean, Cooper Cup, obviously, like we said, nine receptions, 183 yards, one touchdown. Oh, to your uh, point, Stafford, um, you sent this to me on Sunday. Stafford, number one against the Blitz. So I have some numbers here. So versus the Blitz, he is number one, uh, mm-hmm. 132.5 pass rating and a 15 to one touchdown and interception ratio. Yeah, which is 
insane. So why would you let, again, this goes back to the question I have. Why do you blitz him in that circumstance when you know that he needs to deliver a long ball? Like, why wouldn't you just rush for and, and, you know, set, I don't know. I just find that why, why would you blitz him on in that um, circumstance? Like, why wouldn't you just sit your four and lean more pass protection? Like I, I just felt, I know it was broken coverage really, mm-hmm. but still just for me, that's poor execution on the Tampa Bay side. And I think it's one that the defensive coordinator is going to want to have back. Or the Odell's contract right now. Speaking of which, <laughs> I know he didn't have a huge game, but six receptions for 69 yards. Odell is doing what he needs to do. And a TD. And, and a TD. TD. Yeah, oh, yeah, he had, t- he had the first touch. No, he had the first yeah. touchdown. Uh, no. Yeah. Uh, no, it was Kendall Blanton. 86 had the first touchdown. Did you really? I thought, yeah. Oh, my God. Maybe I'm wrong. All right. My bad. <laughs> All good. All good. Yeah, Blanton had the first one. It was that little, the little screen, the little pass yes, there. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yes, it was Blanton. Yes, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Sorry about that. All good. No, but he found he did find end, him in the back of the end zone. I think it was for the second and the third one, right before yeah. the Cooper Cup touchdown. Yeah. Um. I mean, Higby too. Four receptions, yep. fifty-one yards. Like, like they're big. Their playmakers came. They they did what they have to do. Um. I just think that when it comes to crunch time, they still need to throw the ball a little bit more instead of relying too heavily on the run. But I think that's a mistake that McVay is going to correct moving forward. Like, I I don't think we're going to see as many run plays just trying to kill the clock. On the flip side, let's talk about the Bucs. Well, they started off very rough. (laughs) Yeah. Took a while to get going. But when they started to get going, Brady looked good. Yeah. Even finding, uh, if, as we go later into the game, uh, Mike Evans on that route where he just burnt, <laughs> burnt Jalen Ramsey so badly. I think people forget that Mike will. Oh, sorry, Mike will. I think people Mike forget Evans. that Mike Evans is probably a top, what, seven receiver in the NFL. Yeah, it's kind of hard to vote against a guy that has, like, Nine straight 1,000 yard seasons. But I'm not even talking stats alone, though. Uh, I'm just saying it just intangibles, too, right? Yes. Like, like I find his stats are a bit inflated, or sorry, deflated because you have Godwin that lines up taking targets away from him, and you have Gronk, too, right? Hmm? Like, this guy by himself could probably. He'd probably be putting up like Jefferson numbers. Yes. In a in a capable offense that wasn't yeah. locked on Tom Brady. Yeah. Right. But I mean, probably wouldn't have that playoff success though. <laughs> I mean, we saw how far Jameis could take take Mike Evans, and Mike Evans has had stellar seasons with him. So Yeah, I think he'll take a couple of catches and yards off, but a ring over yeah. here killing it. Um, Leonard, Fournette, <laughs> Leonard Fournette looked good though. 50, 51 yards, two touchdowns on 13 carries. Yeah. And how did Gronk do for us over there? Four receptions, 85 yards. There you go. So the playmakers that they did have, because let's not overlook the fact that they're really, really, really battered 
through the receiving core. Uh, obviously, Chris Godwin not being there, Antonio Brown leaving, uh, even Ronald Jones not being available to them. Like there's there's some detriment there. So it kind of highlights the fact that because I know we'll get into Tom Brady a bit later, but you know Tom talked about not to allude too early, but Tom, when he was discussing his retirement, he talked about the the perfect scenario would be going out, winning the Super Bowl, Mm -hmm. and then admitted that I don't think that this is the team that could do it. Yeah. Well, you know what? Let's have that talk because I think it's, it's necessary right now. Tom seems like he's sort of also at peace with the fact that retirement's a option that he should consider like he didn't sound like the tom brady who would dispute the article that was written earlier that morning saying that um he was contemplating retirement like if he was really not thinking about it he would have came out and you know have no more yeah exactly that's that's inaccurate um you know which source is that whatever you know how tom is of course sorry about that this feels like there is some truth to that. And I'm also starting to wonder, there was a lot of turmoil that was being dealt with within that organization. Do you think that's maybe changed his mind on? I th- think that, Buccaneers? that might've pushed it a little bit more. Um, definitely an influence on there because once again, we're, when you usually when Brady and retirement rumors come out, he dispels out really quick, like we had highlighted. Mm-hmm. But at this point, he's pretty in favor of possibly doing this. Like this is the most that I've ever heard him commit to the idea of retirement. And he was mm-hmm. saying it blatantly in his interview in a way that he never usually says it. So damn it. I don't have it. Um, no, but it's, it's a real thing now, and I'm sure, you know, kids are getting older, probably wants to be a dad, be at home a little bit more, and get to his, and let's not forget the most important thing, because Tom Brady's doing something that we haven't seen. He's going to be 45 at the start of next season. Yeah, which is an insane, if you think about it. Like, <laughs> There's not too many guys in the league that even past 30 and this guy's playing till he's 45. <laughs> That's ridiculous. At the quarterback position. Which is you can arguably one of the more demanding positions, not just physically, but also mentally. Yes. So seeing all of that, um and once again he just reaffirmed that he's not gonna make any decision this week. No. So probably going to come post Super Bowl, if anything. But yeah, no, uh, maybe this is it. And the writing is on the wall for Tom. So I'm going to ask you two questions here. Okay. First one is, do you think he retires? See, like, this is so tough. I don't know. (laughs) I know, right? I I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to come out. Honestly, I'm going to come out and say that I think after a little bit of reflection, I think when you ask a guy these sort of questions in the moment and he's not really thinking straight, 
he's probably going to be all over the map. I think in a week from now, he's going to sit down, reflect, and he's going to say, I'm going to give it one more go. I think so. Well, I mean, to their benefit, something that probably helps the uh, Bucks in this situation, Rob Gronkowski said he'd be open to coming up back for another year, even if Tom Brady wasn't the quarterback. And that's it. I think they're going to come back for one more year and they're going to load up. That's what I think they're going to do. Having said that, let's say he does decide to play. Do you think he comes back with Tampa or do you think he goes somewhere else? I think he comes back with Tampa. I think so too. I don't think he's moving anywhere else. I think it's either Tampa or bust. It's Tampa or retirement. Yeah, pretty much. He's already in Florida. so I was going to say, yeah. (laughs) It's already enjoying the sun. Yeah, exactly. It's just uh, <laughs> one more, one more tick off the list. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's about it. I mean, lack of just lack of playmakers cost them the the victory. It was it was the first time all season that the starting defensive line, like everybody that was projected to be a starter, or not just a defensive line, starting defense played. Yeah, like what? that weighs on a team too. Then there was no Tristan Wirfs, no uh, Ryan Jensen, and not for nothing, poor Tom at 44. <laughs> oh, let's just stare down Aaron, Aaron Donald and Vaughn Miller all night. And that's why I think the, the talk after the game with the comments, like it's, it's so reactionary, right? Mm-hmm. You just, he just went through a grueling game, came, on the, came out on the opposite side of it. I think he needs to clear his head, take a week, take or maybe a couple of weeks and then decide what you want to do. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously I think for Tampa Bay's sake, they want him to figure out what he's going to do quickly because then they can pivot off to him if they need, if need be. Right. I don't know what they do at quarterback if they don't have him because options are very limited. And I don't know if they have the, A, I don't know if they have the cap space and B, I'm not sure they have the capital to make a move. I actually don't think the cap space is that big of an issue because they have so many veterans mm. there on veteran deals. And mm. not for nothing, you have players like, I know they released Le'Veon Bell, but you have players like Chris Godwin who are on a one-year deal too. Yeah, that's true too. So I don't know how bad their cap situation is, but I don't think they're in cap hell like the Saints. But yeah. Maybe they go get AR-12. <laughs> That that thought did cross my mind, and then I was like, "But Aaron Rodgers plays shitty in the state of Florida." So, <laughs> so pass on that one. All right, any other new or any other notes you want to discuss or bring up before we switch this up? Uh, no, I think we keep can keep it pu- pushing now, man. I think that was a great recap of our, that exciting weekend of football that. I still can't get over how it ended. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, let's go pick them. Here we go. Okay. AFC Championship, Chiefs, Bengals. I mean, both teams have weapons on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, on defense, during the season, both teams actually struggled against the pass. Um, I will say that Cincy, though, has only given up 35 points in the last two games in the postseason. So who knows what happens here? They haven't faced a quarterback 
by the name of Patrick Mahomes before. He is different. So let's kind of throw that stat out the window. Well, 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 well. Let's <laughs> let's fix one thing there. They did face each other in week 17. That's true. But this is also playoff Patrick Mahomes. That's why. And even in week 17, they struggled a bit offense mm-hmm. uh, defensively. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, with that being said, I'm going to go Chiefs. Uh, I'm pulling for the Bengals. I would love to see the Bengals win because I think it'd be great for that organization to actually get to the Super Bowl. But Mm -hmm. I also think that unless they're playing the Niners, because I'd be much more afraid of that Rams team with Donald and um, Vaughn. Yeah. Especially seeing Joe Burrow get sacked nine times. Like I'm going to go Chiefs just on the overwhelming strength of their defensive line and once again, I'm just I, I I'm not betting against Patrick Mahomes. He's been to four AFC championships. He's been to this stage before. It's and that comes into play here. No, I agree with you 100. percent What's your final score? Uh, I'm gonna go Chiefs 30 to 23. Nice. I'm going right up your alley on this one. I've got KC winning 30 to 27. Uh, a late field goal to win. I think that Burrow has the weapons to go, I guess, drive for drive with Patty. Yeah. However, he's a magician and he'll probably pull one out of the hat to secure the victory for them. And Tyreek Hill is just finding his stride like right. So the game will definitely come down to turnovers. Uh, if since he could force KC to turn the ball over. They probably have a really good chance of winning on the flip side. If Casey can get to burrow and sack him, then this is, he's in for a long night. I want to cheer for Cincy in this game. I probably will. And I'll probably say that if they do manage to pull off an upset, I'll probably pick them in the super bowl just because <laughs> but I, I, I have one I don't question. Think I don't think it's going to happen. I've got Casey. I have one question just coming off of the weekend we came from uh, in regards to these two teams. Whose team was the bigger emotional win? Emotional win? Yeah. I'd say Casey's was probably okay. the bigger emotional yeah. Okay. So yeah. I just, you know, that plays a fact too, because sometimes you get that big win and then the next week you just come out flat too, right? So that's I'm not saying that the Bengals are out at all. And who knows, maybe Casey's overlooking them too, right? Maybe they're saying, ah, it should be an easy matchup. See, that I don't think is happening because I think Patrick Mahomes looks back at that week 17 tape and is like, nah, never again. (laughs) I'm not necessarily saying, I don't want to single just Mahomes out, but maybe it's somebody else. True. You know, there's a lot of players on the field that can be different. That's not to disrespect Kelsey or Hill or McCole Hardman. No, no, no. But I don't know. I mean, it's going to be a fun game. I'll say that. I'm expecting offense. I would love to see what the over-under is on that game in terms Actually, of let me pull that, Let me pull that up right now. <clears throat> right now, the over is 54 and a half. 54 and a half? Yeah. See, I have the over. I think so, too. And you have you have the under. That's true, actually. Oh man, that's good. That's a, that's a good line though. That's a very good line. To to be fair, I was split on the field goal or touchdown win by the chiefs. So I'm not really sold on the under as much as it is that high. (laughs) 
But we've also discussed too that Casey has a habit of having games with the over unders uh, ridiculous and they, they, go, they go completely under. Yeah. Um, okay. Rams 49ers, the redemption game. This game, I'm so torn on picking. Uh, <laughs> not because of the rosters alone, but because Kyle Shanahan has Sean McVay's number. I believe Kyle Shanahan is now 6 and 0 against Sean McVay since entering the division. Yeah. With that being said, give me the Rams. I have the Rams 23 to 17. I'm going to go I'm going to go 23 14. The reason I'm going with the Rams is I think there's too many playmakers on the LA side <laughs> that the Niners, I won't say haven't dealt with because Dallas obviously had quite a bit, but I don't think they've faced a quarterback that has this many weapons. Like, I'm t- sorry, right? I-, I won't say that. I think Stafford's a better quarterback than Dak less than Rodgers. However, right. I think that Rams weapons are better than Green Bay. Niners. Sorry. No, I'm saying. In oh, terms oh, of, oh, okay. okay, okay. I'm Got comparing it. who the Niners have played. Got it. Um, so, yeah, I, I have to go Rams on this one. I think there's just too many guys who are clicking right now. And like you said, the defense is, is Ben don't break. I mean, I know they, broke a little bit in the last game, but that's Tom Brady. Right. And that's okay because it's understandable because Tom Brady's going to figure everything out because he's a cyborg, but I'm also going to go with that Dallas curse. So yeah, that's true too. The one thing I will say for the 49ers is the versatility of Kittle and Debo could be a problem in this game. We have seen it before. He likes to uh, mismatch and, and move Debo around the field on McVay. That creates a uh, a nightmare in terms of matchups. Do you think you're going to see Ramsey shadow Debo a little no. bit more in this no. game? No, I don't think okay. so. I think uh, he'll stay to one side just because not for nothing. Um, Nick Scott has been playing balling too. Like that's not mm-hmm. too yep. slight what uh, Jalen Ramsey contributes to the field, but you know what? Uh, Good coverage. Just a special teams guy worked his way onto the roster. It was um, no, I, I, I think McVay is going to stay buckled unless things get bad. Oh, okay. important to, important to note: uh, both yep. Trent Williams and Andrew Whitworth are trending to play. See, that's another one that I'm a little bit worried about. That offensive line's a little bit banged up, and Aaron Donald's ready to feast. Yeah. Yeah. Von Miller too looks like he's Von Miller. Oh man, when he was bending the edge on Sunday, that was entirely that was that was Denver Vaughn. That looks like you know playoff MVP Vaughn. Yeah, that's a scary Vaughn to go against. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, let's. With that said, so we both have Rams, Casey. Yeah, that's gonna be a good one. If that's well, listen, I I really want the Rams to go there because I think that LA Super Bowl. LA team, Dr. Dre, Snoop, and Kendrick Lamar, not to cast out, but the, the LA trio of rap. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be huge for just the state. I need to say something, though, 
Niners fans will be allowed at SoFi. I will definitely um, back this up with saying this. As of right now, the cheapest current ticket for Sunday's NFC Championship game between the Rams and 49ers at SoFi Stadium is over $600 American. One ticket broker just told me it's going to be a sea of red again. Rams fans are growing, but they aren't paying $600 for nosebleeds tickets. Not happening. And that was from Arash Markazi on Twitter. (laughs) So don't be surprised. If you hear a lot of noise when the uh, Rams have the ball on offense. Well, no, just when they have the ball on offense, right? From the Niners D. Another thing, too, (laughs) is I wanted to bring this up quickly. Odell Beckham Jr. and the uh, Bitcoin. Yeah. (laughs) So Odell uh, Beckham Jr. signed a deal with the Rams worth 750K American. He announced he would take that Bitcoin. At the time, Bitcoin was worth 64 thousand two hundred ninety three dollars today it's worth thirty five thousand four hundred um so now his deal is actually worth four hundred and twelve thousand nine hundred fifty three dollars however he's going to be taxed meaning odell as of now has netted only thirty five thousand seven hundred and three dollars right but if he gets a super bowl win worth it oh i'm sure there's (laughs) but still yeah uh, well listen and that's only because i've been paying attention a little bit to what's going on over there on the stocks but um and between bitcoin and the nfts but everything is down the nasdaq is down like (laughs) it's 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 common it's the time for buyers so hey it's gonna bounce back and he's gonna make his money back i'm sure he's not in a panic and Worst case, ask for it as a baby gift. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's move off on this. There's some little coaching news that we wanted to discuss <clears throat> quickly. Ooh, Sean Payton. Yeah, I did Adios. not. You know, <laughs> he called it. He's officially retired. Um, we will. I think we will see him again, not just in a booth. Um, but yeah, so the too. Saint, the Saints are in quite the predicament, especially between him leaving and their cap going straight to hell between him and Drew Brees. And now I believe Dennis Allen is their leading leading candidate for their head coach, their defensive coordinator currently. Which isn't a bad move. Dennis Allen has been there before. He's also subbed in for uh, Peyton when he, there was a couple of times where he didn't, he wasn't there. Yeah. There was COVID. There was uh, extenuating circumstances. Like, yes. Yeah, um, so makes it easier for them, I think, if you hire with him. They do have a, they still do have a strong nucleus. It's just, it's slowly depleting. It's gotten mm-hmm. older. Um, honestly, I think it's the time to rebuild. Let's tear it down, start over. I mean, not this year, but next year's quarterback class does look promising. So if you could tough it out with maybe Jameis for one more year and then run it back, well, run it back, sorry, then um, get a quarterback that, uh, for the future, that could help. And, and plus, what time, better time would you want to go through this in your division when, when Tom Brady's leaving? Possibly. See, this is, okay, so this is the other thing I wanted to discuss with you. Say Tom leaves and 
Peyton's retiring from the Saints. There's a lot of uncertainty there. There's probably going to be some changes. They're going to have to lose some guys. Mm-hmm. Who's the front runner of that division? Oh God, because um, the Panthers are in trouble, and then the Falcons are like, you know, I, like I can't put the Pan- I can't put the Panthers just on the strength of the hire of Ben McAdoo for the offensive coordinator. So that one's out. Yeah. Um, there you go. It really rides on Tom. So if Tom is out, it might be the Falcons, honestly. If I'm one of these teams, besides obviously the Bucks, but if I'm if I'm the Saints, the Falcons, or the Panthers, pay attention to this and try to figure out because if Brady does leave, this is the time to move. You you might yeah. have the division right there. Yeah. I, I, I concur. So Matt Ryan's still a capable quarterback. I know the age thing comes up, but hey, whatever. We're here now, and we're going to deal with him still being there for another year. That's that's for certain. Um, there's going to be consistency there. Year two, uh, everybody's still learning that offense. The only shitty thing is for Falcons fans is the rumors of Calvin Ridley. Yeah, and there's a lot of chance. There's sorry, there's a lot of talk that he's done. Yeah, in Atlanta. And then you couple that with the fact that the Falcons do have a great young shutdown corner in AJ Terrell. So Mm -hmm. they have still really big keys on the defensive unit. Um, Yeah, no, I I might have to go Atlanta if Tom is out of that division. Yeah, I think so too. But even at that, I'm not completely confident. (laughs) But but I'm on the strength. (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised if the Panthers sell the farm to get a quarterback. Yeah, that's another team, too, that has to uh, evaluate some things at that position because Sam Darnold's quite clearly not it. Um, Camp's yeah. done, unfortunately. Glory days are behind him. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting situation. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, quickly on the GM coaching job. I mean, I see here that Colts, Matt Eberfluss, and – sorry, that's defensive coordinator – for the Colts, Matt Eberfluss, and Cowboys defense coordinator Dan Quinn. Both are scheduled to be in Chicago on Wednesday to meet with new Bears GM Ryan Poles, who Chase, where is he coming from, Ryan Poles, who's he's coming, hired? He's coming from the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, as a result of that, the Chiefs are going to get two picks, one in the third round for this year's draft, one in the third round for next year's draft. Another guy, too, that's also – was interviewed was Jim Caldwell for the Bears position. I, and I really like that fit too. I do too. I think it would really work. I'm surprised that Flores didn't get a look here, but I guess maybe he has his eyes on another coaching vacancy. Well, yes and no, because if you're going around with the speculation of the rumors that are happening with between Flores and that have been associated with Deshaun Watson since his days in Miami, um, it kind of makes sense that Chicago's off the map. I understand mm-hmm. trading Justin Fields for Deshaun Watson is almost a layup, but you still don't know what the future of Deshaun Watson holds. True. And you're going to get a good chance for a young quarterback to build a young nucleus around, um, especially with that connection he seems to have with Darnell Mooney. Yeah, I agree. Uh, just don't know where. I mean, Flores might end up in Houston and try to convince Sheesh. Deshaun to come back. Who knows? Uh, for the Giants, though, right now, seems like Brian Dable's position to lose. 
No. Yeah. Es- essentially, yeah. Um, the only sad thing about that is he's going from Josh Allen to Danny Dimes, but you know, uh, that's the rumors. That's what we see. That's what we're here. And not for nothing. I mean, Brian Dayball, without really highlighting it too many parallels to Eric Bieniemy, but he's had head coaching interviews that haven't panned out. So mm-hmm. everything is up in the air too. Yeah, for sure. But this time I think it's a little different just because uh, the guy who's now the GM there, Joe Schoen. It's true. From Buffalo. He is from Buffalo. So he has a little bit more familiarity. Not all the time though, that a guy from an organization leaves and hires somebody. It doesn't always happen though. There has been some stranger scenarios where guys just come in and maybe just blow the new GM away, right? Right. Uh, also, it seems like the Ravens are nearing a contract extension with John Harper. Yes, correct. Uh, that should be done relatively soon, according to our uh, Bleacher Report apps. But uh, that's well underway now. So and there's still... Like, oh, like we also stated too, Nathaniel Hackett did get another interview. Or sorry, did get... Uh, yeah, a second interview, right, with the Denver Broncos. Uh, continuing along, going with your guy... Uh, Mike McDaniel, uh, he might be favored to actually land the Dolphins job. Mike Jones. <laughs> um, yeah. Which I think is a good young offensive mind to pair with Tua Tagovailoa. Yep, absolutely. If he doesn't get that job, I wouldn't be surprised too if he gets some offensive coordinator position. Like, if he gets a yeah. spot there, I don't think he wants to leave Shanahan unless he's going to be coaching. But right. uh, who knows? I mean, he's only, I think he's the pat. What, what is his actual title? It drives me insane. Well, you look that up. I'll also highlight the fact that uh, Gerard Mayo is getting his interview with the Raiders. Uh, yeah, he's had two as well. Unfortunate, unfortunate for uh, Rich Bassat. I'm going to yeah. butcher this. Yeah. So, you know, there goes our guy that we were kind of caping for almost. But uh, I think Gerard Mayo, too, will be a great fit in Vegas. Yeah, I agree, too. Um, back to Mike McDaniel. Yeah, he is the – sorry. I completely got him mixed up with somebody else. But, yes, he is the the offensive coordinator. He was the run game coordinator. Before. There it is. Uh, Rams quarterback coach, too, is getting – a look from some places mm-hmm. as well. Uh, going to your division. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with the Texans. Those are up in the air, uh, especially since the firing of David Culley, which I don't know if that's warranted, but hey, here we are. Uh, the Jags. Uh, you're, well, Brian Lef- Byron Leftwich is apparently on his way for his interview. Mm-hmm. And if there's Anything else that's popping off for me right now? That's all I got right now, buddy. Just the oh. only team that we're still sitting on that we're like really haven't heard much from outside of some interviews from uh, Gannon is the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, the name that I was thinking of is Kevin O'Connell, the offensive oh, coordinator for the yes. Rams. Yes. He has a lot of, um, he's been emerging also as a finalist for the Broncos head coach, uh, head coaching position. It's tough, though, to interview while you're in the um, 
conference championships though we've we've seen that in the past where a lot of times guys just end up declining or uh can't focus and teams are trying to pressure them to making a decision and, and getting an interview and just timing doesn't work out so of course end up going a different way so might happen with this guy too on that note I think we just got a couple of catcher fates here before Let's we end go on. oh yeah i got piece of news after too Catcher fade. The Ravens should bring in Antonio Brown next year. I'm going to go fade. So, and this is not anything to do with Antonio Brown. I want to see what the growth of Rashad Bateman is as a probably number two, maybe emerging number one behind uh, Marquise Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you still have Mark Andrews in that receiving game. Devin Duvernay has done fairly well for his targets and snaps. I, I just don't think that they need it. I think it would be a cool fit to see him and his cousin and Lamar play together, but I just don't think that it makes sense to bring him in. I'm going to fade that as well. And actually you brought up great points there. I just think you have a young receiving core that um, there's only so many targets that Lamar throws, unfortunately, and he can't, satisfy all of them i think you have the right pieces to move forward it's a it's a matter of just developing them in bateman brown and managers agreed all right next let's switch over to the nba because we haven't been talking too much ball lately actually before we do that let me give that piece of news because this actually has to do with antonio brown antonio brown did a interview tonight on hbl sports with brian gumbel And he relayed the information that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers tried to infer him to going to seek uh, mental health help by intensive measures. Mm -hmm. And in return, they were going to pay him 200K. So that's just more on the Tampa Bay Antonio Brown saga. Which we'll probably continue to develop as we go on. For sure. All right, uh, catch your fate. Thoughts on the NBA rookie sophomore all star weekend format? Catch, I think it's something entirely different, as you and I discussed off mic. I mm-hmm. like the format, I like the fact that you know we'll have a set number of points, kind of like when you're shoot playing 21 in the gym, uh, four teams, seven players each, so 28 young players, and a good opportunity for some G lead players on each team to get some shine. So, yeah, catch for me. I'm gonna go catch as well. Um, I actually, I've watched every rookie sophomore game oh, wow. or slash as well world and versus What's North that? America. Yeah. For, yeah, sure, sorry. It was, it was world versus USA. Yeah. Um, I've watched those games frequently for a very long time. I don't even want to put an age on it. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, but I always look forward to that game and I found that recently in the last two years, well, sorry, three years, I should say, because of the COVID year, um, I find it kind of been a little stagnant and a little stale. So I think a different format will kind of re-energize the fan base. It gets more players, well, more players can touch the ball, show off their skills. I think it's just a positive step and and like you said too i think it also highlights the g league which there's a lot of good young players that are in the g league that are coming up that nobody's ever heard of it's it's a great way to 
you know, shine the light on those guys too. And yeah, possibly break themselves into a household name, right? Or even get a contract too, right? That like, too. Yeah. Um, More importantly. <laughs> the other thing too that's kind of cool about this is there's a lot of young players that are skipping out on college and, and going straight to G League. You also get to highlight those guys. So you're going to be seeing guys who potentially could be drafted that like that coming year uh, showing off their skills and sure. kind of creating a fan fandom for them as well. Let's okay. Last one here. Catcher fade. James Harden returns to Brooklyn this off season. Fade for me. This is a hard pitch, but yeah, it's going to be a fade for me too. Um, as we're getting more details of the story, you know, he's unhappy with the fact that Kyrie Irving is playing part time. Uh, apparently, living situation in Brooklyn is not ideal. I'm just confused by the rumors of Philadelphia getting involved and thinking that because Brooklyn and Philadelphia, I mean, yes, they're maybe a stone throws throw away from each other, mm-hmm. but I don't really see the only difference is going to be is like, yeah, okay. You're going to have Joel and be more available than your other current all-star um, constituents. Is that the word I'm looking for? Yep. So yeah, that's that's my biggest gripe. But yeah, I think it's a fade. I think that the James Harden experiment in Brooklyn might be over. I think so too. I think he goes back home. I don't necessarily think he goes to Houston though. I think he goes to California. Yeah, but who gets him? I have two teams that I think might get him. I'm going to go... Oh, I don't want to say this, but it maybe the Clippers. Yeah. Unfortunately. And uh, probably the Warriors would also be of interest for him, too. God. I mean, James, Steph, Clay, Draymond, yo, that is nuts. Andrew Wiggins has been good, too, this yep. year, too. You know what I mean? Like, And then you throw in the – like. Then you still have Wiseman. Yeah. Yeah. You have the two young kids, the two rookies that they picked this year. Like it's a that's a fun roster. But I think if that was to happen, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a sign and trade. Yeah. On that end. I can I can understand that entirely. And and who knows? From there, maybe Brooklyn takes those picks and flips or takes those prospects and 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 picks and flips it somewhere else to get another superstar. For For sure. We're going to highlight the NBA a little bit more because the trade led lines like right around the corner too. Yeah. All right. Uh, any closing notes you want to speak of before we wrap this up? Uh, you know, we're coming up on the anniversary of Kobe Bryant. Uh, I believe yep. that's tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, As we record this, this is January 25th. That's right. So just that moment. Thank you, Kobe, for everything. And that's pretty much my, my piece. Chase, I love the... Uh photo in the background had right to. there that with the t oh and the t had to Dude, do it that's a legendary had to that's do a, it that's a sick t uh you busting that tomorrow have to i like that i have like that to. i think i think it's, that should be that should be picture worthy that should be insta worthy right i there. i think it's the only day where i would consider actually getting like my celtics fan and would go on hold and i would consider buying a lakers hat and wearing it in honor of kobe bryant just get the jersey no, I would never. I wouldn't. I would. I, I would. I would frame it. I would frame it. I would frame it. 
you know which one I'm a really big fan of? The blue. Yeah, yeah, that's it's a dirty one. But okay, wait. So this is this is a perfect wheelhouse to ask you this question. Go. 20, 24 or eight. Twenty-four. See, I'm on the opposite. I'm I'm Kobe with the fro. <laughs> I, I uh no no I'm, I gotta go twenty-four on this one because um evolution of the player was the 24 for me. So that's the guy I really zoned in on and watched him was with the 24. So I, I got to go with him, with the 24 on that one. But to your point though, like the Jersey, like, yeah, yellow is classic, but the purple, like yeah, so purple many good and gold. It, yeah. And then there's the blue too. Like we talked about, that one was also classic. I'm not going to lie that, that black one with like, the yellow trim is super hard. Super hard to hard. find too. Yeah. Um. Oh man, no. There's there's so many <laughs> favorite Kobe memory. The favorite Kobe memory, eighty one. <laughs> um. You know what? Also, though, his last game. I don't know if that's in the favorite memory. I like I. No, I don't know it's, if it's. I don't know if it's in the favorite, just because I knew the game plan was let him be trigger happy, and I know that they I, won and it's a big game, and I and I get that. I don't know if that one falls into the wheelhouse favorite. One of, why I'm gonna say it's one of my favorite though is there was just a glimpse of the past in that game. There was just like it's like shit. He can still do it. Um. Oh, I mean, there's there's Hold quite on. a bit though. There's there's a lot. There's like, if you consider the Phoenix Sun series, is yeah. Um, hold on a second. There's the Portland daggers, like the back to backs. I mean, some of the when he beat uh, Dirk and the Mavs too. Yeah, there's that. Um, that one was also good. Even his last win over the Celtics, like that was a hard one to, uh, like that last series was a very, very hard one to, uh, to be mad at him about as a Celtics fan. I mean, if I have to go with one picture celebrating on the, on the, uh, on the table after they yeah. won. Yeah. That was another one. Um, Sacramento. The, prob- the problem is. There's a lot of them that just kind of blend together too, and it's like, it's like I can't. Uh... There was there was the early one like in his career. I think it was, I believe it was year five when he played the Kings and he had like forty eight point sixteen boards. Uh, his shooting wasn't that amazing. He was fifteen for twenty nine, but you know he had three assists, two steals, a block, and seventeen for nineteen from the free throw line. Like those are huge numbers. Yeah, I mean, of course. even like, uh, you know what though? Like, there's now I'm thinking about it too. There's like him and Shaq. Yeah, the alley oop to Shaq. Just, yeah, yeah. Looking uh, at his hand, the one in that picture right there. That one's hard too, obviously. <laughs> 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 That's why it's so tough. Like now that you've got me going down memory lane here, the Pacers game or the Knicks. When he cooked the Knicks with Gasol. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that one was good too. 
Oh, uh, you know what? Another moment too. I, it sucks to say this, but ruptures his Achilles. Oh yeah, he gets up to get those free throw lot, those free throws. That's why Clay did it. Clay's like Kobe did it. By the way, sorry, sorry about uh, the audio there that was picking up. I didn't realize that video was playing from my side. All good. I figured out though. It's the Pistons one, huh? It's Kobe. Oh, yeah. Bang! That's the one. That's yeah. the one. That oh, win, man. That so many good windmill, moments. In-game windmill versus, oh, man, just on his fast break. Even his reaction to some of his teammates. You ever seen the video? Like, I know you definitely probably watched this game, but when um, Shannon Brown threw down that huge block. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. You saw true. Kobe's face from, like, the bench being like, ooh. It's got cold in here. Yeah, exactly. Ice in the veins. Um, rest in man, peace, Kobe, there, man. Yeah, rest in peace, too. I mean, there's uh, so many good moments. The dunks. The, yeah. Some of the dunks, too, were ridiculous. The dunk contest. The contest as well, yeah. I was thinking about just some of the fast breaks ones that he had, but yeah, even the dunk contest ones. I think that wraps up two-point culture. Anything else you'd like to add? Any music to talk about or anything like that? Uh, no music that I'm aware of that's coming out yet, except for 2 Chains announced the date for February 4th for his album. Nice. Well, on that note, next week, we'll know who's in the Super Bowl. And then the following week, I will be in Mexico. So, Chase, you will have a different co-host for that episode. Yes, me and... Uh... Loyal friend Sean Lawson are going to hold it down. We'll talk Super Bowl predictions, and Sean, being a Packers fan, will divvy it up with us. You guys doing that live, or are you guys doing that through Zoom? Or sorry, I should say, I, or you guys I think we're going to do it through Zoom. We nice. haven't worked out ironed out those details yet, but I'm pretty sure we're going to do it through Zoom. Listeners, continue to comment, like, listen, everything. Please, Subscribe. feedback is always fun. Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> Um and uh yeah, give please be nice to our guest as well. My <laughs> first guest on the podcast. Yeah, exactly. You got we're breaking ground here, don't worry. And we also have a great exciting announcement to come with the fact that we're gonna have multiple guests coming onto the platform to break down their team just like Sean and getting into what to look forward to in the offseason, what the season meant for their team. Mm-hmm. Uh, possible free agency additions and little things like that. So yeah, stay tuned guys. With that, this is two point culture and we are out. Deuces.